Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Nobody panic with me, Stevie. And hello to Tessa. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're looking... Now, I was going to try and make some sort of plant reference and with plant link, but I can't. I'm just going to go straight in with sort of just literally what's happening. I, I we, believe in you. We have a third person with us. Ooh. Who will it be? Um, me and Tessa, as you know, are very bad at gardening. Uh, we've done that houseplants episode that was uh, didn't have any tips in it. Mm-hmm. And everyone wrote in and said, that wasn't helpful. <laughs> Um, so we decided to enlist um, somebody that I've sort of sort of known and not known for a long time. Um, you you may know her on Instagram already. Um, her handle is at Naughty Culture, um, sort of like a N O U G H T I culture. That's just in case you didn't get the full thing. Um, or on Twitter um, at Alice underscore Emily. But her actual name is Alice Vincent. She is a writer, a green fingered woman who I have. <laughs> Literally stared at your Instagram for so long, being like, God, your plants look good. Welcome to the podcast, Alice. <laughs> Thank you so much. It is it is really fun to be talking to you because I feel like I have been very aware of your writing for a really long time. And we sort of weirdly circled each other in the incestuous world of London people writing things yes. since we're tiny amoeba and here we and are here we are and so it's very nice to be here and your garden is flourishing um it's it's a real source oh. yeah well, it's all relative alice isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i've uh, i've had to throw out my, my second succulent of the year it's pretty much the first week of the year so that's that's where i'm at um but you you've got a book out why women grow do you want to explain a little bit about the book um before we kick into yeah. please can you help me with our plants of course yes yeah. so the book is it's not a practical tome i'll put that out there but um there are ones i've written that are a bit more helpful in that way but why women grow essentially like a lot of people in lockdown i got very weird and lonely and cut off from things and started questioning stuff quite deeply. Mostly, what is it to be a woman? What is it to be marrying someone? What is it to maybe have a child or not? And I decided to solve this by going on a tour of gardens belonging to strangers, 45 strangers around the country and in some some parts of Europe. Um, And I spoke to an incredible range of women and we spoke about all manner of things in life and womanhood in their gardens and these conversations I thought were just going to be about gardening and they're not 
they're about fertility and challenge and creation and protest and identity. And it was really, really fun. And I now feel I have this sort of incredible community um and and it's telling their stories so yeah it is why women it is very deep isn't it because there's something about um when well I just know from my very small experience in not keeping things alive in plant pots that when it dies it's the plant hasn't died my ability to care for something has been challenged (laughs) and I immediately don't often consciously but then sometimes will a few days later be like I don't think that was about the plant I think that was about me as a woman and how I probably will never be able to be a mother. Like that is the, I don't want to say that's it, but it's it. I'm looking at the cactus. It's a baby. It's not, but it is. Um, I do think it's, you're, you're right. People bring out this whole plant mum narrative and, and that nurturing thing was something I really wanted to interrogate because I've also met with people who didn't want to have children and gardened because they didn't want to have children. And and that's really interesting too. And I think it's very telling that it was during that very, over the past few years, when things were really turbulent and bad, we couldn't leave our houses, people started growing in a way that they'd never really wanted to grow vegetables before. People wanted to be outside and wanted to raise plants. And yeah, so we do it for all sorts of reasons. And because it's often just seen as one of our many domestic duties, it's not looked at or interrogated at all um so hopefully the book will do that Excellent. it sounds absolutely incredible did it change your perspective on on yourself on your on your feelings about marriage and men and things like that did it did you come away did you come away a different person blossomed if you will Grown fruited. I think I came away yeah did I bloom I think I've come away both a calmer more empathetic and also angrier feminist than I was before, which was quite an angry feminist. So um, all of those things, yeah, it it really did. It was a huge, you know, I am making air quotes, personal journey, but it it really was. Um, I did end up getting married. I'm having a baby a matter of days after the book comes out. So um, (laughs) I guess we've made some decisions on that front. but more than that, I just found the whole process really, genuinely really wonderful to go and meet all these incredible people I never would have encountered before and realised that behind every garden and behind every woman you see in a garden, there's a lot going on and we make spaces for ourselves because society often doesn't allow us the space that we need. Mm. So, yeah, it was great. I feel really lucky to have been able to have done it. Amazing. It sounds wonderful. And so you you mentioned that you have you you know you have of course written other books. Um I th- I'd say that book is for everybody because it just feels like that's like a book that it, whether you're interested in gardening or you're not interested in gardening, we're all interested in stories and why people do things and like the deep kind of elements that you connect with nature and all of that. Of your books, which would you re- recommend for people who practically wanted to start gardening and just ha- just don't know how? So there's one called How to Grow Stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that'll do the job. That was 20 plants that I grew on my balcony and it will do houseplants, it will do herbs, it does a few edibles and it does very, very simple flowers and it's written very plainly and I gather that people have found it really permission granting and exactly what you need if you're like, I'm terrified of all of this. Right. If you if you don't want to tell anyone you don't know what a perennial is, the book will save you. That's what's how to a, grow what's stuff. A, what's a perennial? 
<laughs> it's a really good question. A perennial is a plant that looks like it's dead over winter often, but will come back and surprise you in the spring and it's not dead at all. Me, I'm a perennial. You're a perennial. A she looks so dead in winter. <laughs> I hate the winter so much. So I'm just using deadhead you. It's and the opposite. Yeah, no, no, you just leave me be. I just leave her be. Don't deadhead me. Do I deadhead her? Yeah, no, we just want to let you go brown and crispy. That's me. Have your moment. Yeah. And then, oh. One day in March, it'll be like a little green shoot. And we're like, hi, welcome back. <laughs> That's me. Um, is the opposite um, an evergreen? I really, Hermione Granger got my hand up here. Ready? <laughs> is the opposite a perennial evergreen? Um, no, I'm leaving. Slightly more technical. The opposite would be an annual, oh, which Jesus is a plant Christ. that you sow. So you sow the seed of an annual in, say, March. It will be completely fantastic over summer it'll really do its thing and then once it's flowered and gone to seed that's it no more annual all, all done burns bright not very long the sort of what's janice joplin of the plant world what's the point of that i mean actually no the point of it is because you know live fast die hard you know that sort of no live fast die young <laughs> does it leave that's some nice. seeds behind the annual Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the annual, if you leave an, and if you grow from seed and you put it in your garden and then by sort of September, October time, you're just, I'm so done with gardening. I need to go back to like whatever else I was doing before I got plant obsessed and you haven't deadheaded it. What it will do is it'll shoot out seeds all over your flower bed or your pot or your windowsill. And then it'll, it'll do its own thing. And then next year you'll get surprised by another annual. So like it a does phoenix keep going. Oh God, that's the point of exactly. it. Yeah. You, you, you never know where your next annual's coming from. Mm. <laughs> Pretty exciting. Okay. If it's something like a nasturtium, you only ever need to sow them once because they're just like, hi, all the time. You can't get rid of them. I really like that. That's me. So, sow me once, can't get rid of me. I don't know what really <laughs> know where that one goes. Um, yeah. You don't know where I'm going to pop up. You do. I'm very predictable. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, what sort of tools we looking at for you've you've got say um, boxes window boxes or plant you don't have a garden garden but you you, yeah. you feel yeah, that yeah. you want to create something because my go-to has been um, oh just buy loads of fake plants I don't want to do that I want to actually have real life in in my house what are the kind of sure. your basic tools to start with Honestly, up until about a year ago, I used a child's trowel for basically everything. Great, really okay. don't go wild in the garden centre. They're set up to make you spend money on stuff that you don't need. So you don't need to go and buy like a mattock, which is a, a neat and fun, but <laughs> unnecessary. You're, you're damn right, I don't need to go to the Howard. Gun to my head. <laughs> don't know what's what a mattock? I think like it's a hook. What I it? think it's a, f- a pronged, a big... This boy, big yeah, boy, you, long boy, trident. What is it, it? Is that? It is that? You're right. Yes. It is that kind of thing. Oh, great. <laughs> Good one. Thanks. It's quite. Thanks. A, it's a real pole dark tool. It's sort of. It looks like it shouldn't still exist, but it's really useful if you are more established in gardening. You don't need to go and buy one of those, or indeed even anything like a hand spade or anything like that. What you need is the biggest container you can fit on your balcony or your window box or your windowsill. And you need to make sure that it's got something that will let the water out in the bottom, ideally a hole. Because the biggest mistake people make when they're planting for the first time is they try to keep something alive in these tiny little pots that you might buy from like Urban Outfitters or Sainsbury's, right? The more space that a plant has, the more it'll be allowed to do its own thing and it will kind of look after itself. So the soil won't dry out as regularly. If it wants to set seed, it has more room to do that. It's got more room for the roots to grow. So I've always found that you have a big container, it will pr- largely look after itself. 
So just get a really big, it can be a bucket, like it doesn't need to be fancy. That's a place to start. And then you can fill that with uh, compost or soil, ideally peat free. We might not have time to go into peat, but basically. But no, let's, let's get peat. into peat. Okay. <laughs> so essentially peat bogs are the British equivalent of rainforest. They trap billions of tonnes of carbon. And every year, the horticulture industry disrupts them and digs them up so we can have bedding plants, which is not really something we should be doing in a climate crisis. So the peat-free campaign has been something of a horticultural nerdery. But in the last year, we've seen supermarkets start to stock peat-free soil. So it's a lot more easily accessible. So just buy peat-free soil if you're buying soil. And then you've got your big box with lots of soil in it. And, and from there, you can kind of do what you want, but you've got the real basics of like space and good growing matter. And you need to put it somewhere where it gets a fair bit of sunlight. Frequently, we'll overwater things and we'll shove it in a dark corner. It's got no access to light. We're like, why is it dying? I water it every day. And it's like, it hasn't. It, plants make food out of light. So if they can't see the light, they, they're sort of just running. It's like the equivalent of just being dunked in a bath endlessly when actually you want a sandwich. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Right. And there's okay. a lot of, um, you mentioned about the kind of hole in the bottom of the pot. One of the things that I did was I, I when I, you know, before I found out about you're supposed to have a hole, uh, my stages were, um, I think all the roots just rotted and I just like drowned them all. Then I was like the hole in yeah. the bottom. There was a hole in the bottom in a little dish, but then the, I, I didn't raise it. Basically, there's a drainage system that is necessary for plants, isn't there? What is the best Correct. one to do? Because I still haven't really got there. Because that at that point I was like drainage, drainage. I'm out. What am I? A, a Roman creating an aqueduct? You know, I, I, I didn't know what I didn't know what to do. You just need a hole, <laughs> right? <laughs> Frankly, okay. fine. Okay. Yeah, there'll be a lot of there's a lot of talk about using fancy pebbles or uh, broken bits of crockery or slowing down the water as long as it has a means of the water getting out, which can be a hole or, I mean, frankly, I've got some containers that are massive and they don't have any holes in, but because they're so big, they, it kind of all comes out in the wash. But really, if you're dealing with, say, the equivalent of a storage box, like one of those plastic crates that everyone's got lurking somewhere, put a few holes in one of those and that that will be fine. Say you've got, say, a <laughs> uh, antique French wine box. Okay. Beautiful. And you've put it, you've drilled the hole with your drill because you yep. remembered about the drainage, yep. but then you've put it just directly onto the concrete so it's not raised. So the yep. hole, and then you just sort of hope for the best. Is the hole moot? Is the hole moot? Exactly. Do I need to raise it up in order for the hole to come out? Or yes, you're saying yes. I do. Ideally, yes. I'm actually saying, I, I'm thinking now of my mother's tiny ceramic pot stands that she had everywhere on the patio when we were kids. I don't use them. Some people do. I don't. Uh, water, as we know, gets into all manner of tiny spaces. So it will find, you know, gravity is our friend in this situation. Yeah. It will be okay. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. Thank you so much. I was you. like, how, how, how are we raising all of our pots? Like, who's, who's buying pot raisers yeah. these days? <laughs> Lots of people. <laughs> okay. Anyway. The water will seep out underneath. N okay. Not me, though. Okay. Yeah, just the water, as long as it has a hole and it's not a hermetically sealed box. You'll be fine. Perfect. Okay. And I have now a question about, um, unless you have more pot-based questions. No, I've, I'm happy with my pot. How do you grow pot? <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> um, I've got, uh, 
question about small garden situations. So say you've got like mm. a bit of garden. And I mm-hmm. think because that that's the other sort of like, I think my friends fall into two camps. One's like uh, 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 the urban gardener as Tessa is n- n- next to me. Um, and then one is a uh, bit, bit of garden outside, frightens them, doesn't, let's just not look at it. Let's just not look at it at all. A paddling pool occasionally in summer, that's all we're going to do there. What You've got a patch of grass, there's probably some soil involved and there's nothing else like in it. What's the first thing you're doing to kind of, you know, get going if you want, you're sort of mm-hmm. looking at it being like, maybe I'll plant, but where and what? So if you have boundaries, by which I mean a fence or the edge of a garden or a growing space, which I imagine you do unless you're living on a landed estate, in which case I imagine don't have a reason to panic anyway. But yeah. um, So if you've got boundaries, the thing that actually really transforms a growing space, and that doesn't matter whether that's a tiny balcony or, you know, a small urban garden is growing up because you can make your your grass look beautiful and you can have these little flower beds down the side, but you're still going to have a whacking great big fence, which if you're in an urban environment and it's anything like mine, it's sort of being pushed over by the neighbours and you don't really want to get into all of that. So it's probably quite ugly. So you can get plants called climbers, which do as the name would suggest, and they grow up. And they grow very quickly. So things like a clematis or a honeysuckle or even ivy, they grow really fast. They grow up. They will cover your boundaries is what we call in kind of a garden design sense. And um, suddenly what you're transforming is, is this sort of green little box where you put a pattern pool into something that looks more like a green oasis. And that's the same. I did that on the balcony as well. So that wasn't even that complicated. I didn't even grow climbers. I just turned one pot upside down beneath another pot, which means that you're raising a pot up to about three foot. And then if you grow tall things from there, suddenly you've got a differentiation in height. Mm. So not all of your plants are at like two foot tall, which looks very flat. Instead, you've got big ones that are like head height and then little ones alone. You get this illusion of greenery. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.
when you do walk past a balcony that's gone up and around, you do immediately think, wow, that there, well, there lives nature's nature's own handyman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think, yeah, you do, it's you a are green like, oasis. That's a, that's a whole different kettle of fish than just a few um, pots on the, you know. Um, do you know, I would love to do a honeysuckle, honeysuckle border um, mm. with the climbers. Boundary, going, please. Sorry, my honeysuckle boundary. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would be, I'd be going sort of up and around the window because that's what I'm working with. Um, Beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, would I need to put a stick? What do they need when they say climbers? Do I need to help them climb? Do they need sticks and bits and yes. a ladder? Yes. Not a ladder. So you can um, quite often, if a climber is being sold in, say, a garden centre or online, it will come with its own mini stick. Okay. situation scaffolding you could also buy some or you can kind of construct it if you're the kind of person who has I don't know like a half an old era so much about gardening especially rookie gardening is sort of like let's see what we can do with this um old ladders actually do look I had one on my old balcony they do look quite lovely just propped up and you can put plants on the steps and and that's something but yes in terms of your window what I would do is probably train some wires which sounds technical but isn't essentially if you can put some screws in the wall which I feel like you've got to drill to drill holes in vintage antique wine crates so you're probably handy enough and it's just a case of looping the plant around doing something we call tying in you use twine and just literally tie the plant stem to the wire okay with twine okay. and it will it will probably the climbers like to grab onto things anyway so it'll probably find its way there but yes you can tie it in and it will train all the way around and you can do that you can even you can tie in anything that's a vine so a nasturtium a sweet pea you know if it grows a long way you can you can put that you can tie that to anything you can you can have an amazing nasturtium window which would be very easily done as well Oh wow! Because oh, that feels like next level. It does, yeah. And are there, <laughs> in terms of climbers, are there like um, things that you have to kind of do t- for them that you wouldn't have to do for maybe like a potted plant? Like, do you have to water them more, or do you have to, or is it literally just just a case of normal maintenance? They just like growing. Yeah, they just like growing tools. So the general, I mean, you know, every plant is different and has different needs. But the general rule is: don't let the soil dry out too much you want you want it to keep kind of fairly moist and plants in pots will dry out because they're not they don't have the root systems to take moisture from the earth so if you are only container gardening you're going to have to water more regularly by the time the clocks go forward so between between march and october feed things occasionally once a fortnight with liquid plant food chop off the dead bits do that to most plants you'll be fine. That's good to know. And when you say about dry soil, is, do you like do you stick your finger in the soil to like see? Because the top is always dry. That's my issue. But I can never tell if it's dry or not. Yeah, exactly. Stick your finger in. Does it feel like something you might make biscuits out of? Does it feel like a face mask? You know, if it feels like a face mask, it's fine. If it feels dry and crumbly, you need to water it. Biscuits and face masks. If it feels like a face mask. It's fine. How, face uh, mask is fine. How <laughs> wet is the hat? Quite wet. The wet is hat. No, imagine just like moist, moist, like porridgey. porridgey, porridgey, moist, moist. Okay. Yeah. Christ. Okay. <laughs> I've heard you put your finger in. If when you take it out, if it's got soil has stuck to your finger, you're doing okay. Yeah. If your finger comes out, yeah, clean as a whistle. That needs the water. Interesting. What do you think yeah. about that? One? Also, also the same. Yeah, no, that works as well. I think I might have even 
used that one in the past as advice. Sometimes if you touch very dry soil and you have a slightly sweaty finger, you're going to end up with soil. Sure, it's sure. a slight confusion. Oh, God, good Lord. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. In, the, in, in the summer months. Um, mm. <laughs> famously sweaty-fingered summer months that we've been looking through. <laughs> That's what happened. Um, so what do you, when you speak to people who uh, are rookie gardeners, what are the biggest mistakes bar like not putting a hole in the bottom of your pot what are the things that you that people say again because I imagine at parties people are always like oh Alice is here I'm going to chat to her about my um (laughs) insert cool name latin name for a plant that I don't have access to at this point pansy is the only one I was thinking um what are the biggest kind of like most common issues that uh people chat about I genuinely think a lot of it is real kind of fear that they're doing a bad thing and it's gone horribly wrong you know you said oh your garden is looking nice at the start of this stevie i've not really done any real gardening in literal months i've sort of let it be and some things have died and some things have taken over plants are a bit like people like they'll wake up on a monday and maybe they don't necessarily want want to get out of bed, but we've all got to go and like have a shower and put clothes on and go on with our day. Like plants are kind of the same. They turn up, they grow. We do kill a lot of them, but I think it's with the house plant thing, so often the plants that we grow inside are used to sort of having subtropical jungles to grow in. And then we bring them into our lounge or our bathroom with no natural light and we wonder why they die. Like a lot of it's um once you start growing things outside, you'll realise that it just turns up. So not panicking is a, is a first, like you're probably fine. If you want more reassurance than that, I would say putting plants in the wrong place. And that does sound like, how do I know what the right place is? But, you know, even like get the compass app out on your phone and see what point it outside your back door and see what direction it's looking at. Because a north-facing garden will have a lot less light, for instance, than a south-facing garden. And the, if you have a very exposed... You you will know if your garden is good for sunbathing in or not, essentially, or if your balcony is very warm or not. Um, and if it is, you will want to grow plants that grow in sunny regions, so things like geraniums or nasturtiums or even roses. These are all good like we call it exposed, but good, warm, south-facing plants. You can Google good plants for south-facing environments. Think Provence, think lavender, that kind of thing. If you've got, realistically, if you are in an urban environment, you're going to have shade pockets and actually shade gardening is far easier than people think. So, you know, lots of lovely ferns, uh, lots of green plants, lots of woodland plants. They tend to just look after themselves. So I think the problems start when people kind of go to Columbia Road Market, if you're in London, or they go to a garden centre, and they're like, that one's pretty, buy that. Don't really know what it is. Bring it home, chuck it in a dark corner, water it excessively, really. I mean, I never, I don't really water things very much. Um, even in summer because I have like an existential climate crisis nightmare. But this thing where like, we need to water plants, we'll water it every day. It's crazy. You don't need to do that. And then wonder why it dies. And a lot of the time, really, if you pick the right plants for your aspects, you sort of make sure they've got enough space to grow. They'll probably do it, Mm. which sounds very simple, but it's like many things in life. They're kind of trees around us do it all the time. Like it, once it's in a place where it's happy, it will carry on. 
Yeah, and I, I also like what you said about how in your garden some things live, some things die, some things take over. And it was like, hang on, whoa, whoa. So like if I had, you know, the horror I have when anything dies, I'm like, well, that's, I, I'm going to kill everything I touch. Like I'm clinging on too tight with the death mm-hmm. element. And it feels like even <laughs> if I had, because my, my mum's a bit like that, we've got like a little garden, my mum's got a garden and she'll kind of be like, oh yeah, that's kind of what, they kind of haven't really worked. And you're like, I'd be so sad all the time about the ones that hadn't worked and think I'd done something. But actually sometimes it's kind of beyond your control. And I quite like the idea that it's like, you try things, you win, you lose. Like, if that's not working, move it. Oh, it hasn't. Like, because one of my, literally one of my questions, and this says, this says too much. What happens when, when you have to say goodbye? That was, that was how I've worded one of the questions. Um, and I think that sort of says that, A, don't say goodbye because they're a plant, and B, like, it's fine. <laughs> Would you agree? Yeah, it's it's something that you get more used to. I think that's a very sweet question. I saw that yesterday I did go out in the garden for the first time in weeks, and um, essentially geraniums, pelagoniums, to give them their proper name, don't like frost. They will die in frost. So people take them inside in winter. I did not do that this year. So then obviously it snowed excessively and all of mine are dead, basically. So, um, and not just dead in a sort of, oh, it doesn't look very good, in a sort of horror movie style zombie plant kind of way. All all of them, about 12 of them. And yesterday I did indeed say goodbye and I took my secateurs and I cut them all back and I lifted them out and I put them in the compost and I had a moment and I was just like, you know what? Maybe next year I'll be better. But there were also, for all those, all of those dead ones, there were other things that were coming into flower. There were bulbs coming up from the ground. The grass was looking nice. The water butt was full. I could hear a bird singing. You know, you realise that it's, it's part of a much bigger cycle and apocalyptic as things sometimes seem, nothing is dead all the time. Like there will always be something growing. And I think when you start gardening, you worry, oh, I'm going to kill it. And as you continue to garden, you think, oh my goodness, that's alive. And it's a shift. And um, you just have to get used to realizing that when you kill something, you probably learn something from it and you won't kill it next time. Oh, that God. is, it's that's very lovely, amazing. isn't it? Lovely. It's sort of quite psychologically helpful in life. Why women grow. Why women grow. <laughs> um, yeah. your, 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 your point there about you, you digging it out and you putting it in the compost compost. I was about to say, but that's an interesting <laughs> conversation, of course. I won't <laughs> be discussing it. Um, it leads me to something I've been doing, which is um, I've been growing some things. That they're outside. They're not surviving. I am not removing them. I'm simply adding more into sort of a cannibalistic. Um, my logic was the new plant will eat the old plant, and it will, <laughs> and it will. That will be nice. <laughs> so it was like a bunch of dead stuff in the pot. I just stuck a new mint plant in there, and then I thought the mint will take up the nutrients from the death of the other one and life will be reborn. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, the, the response is, in the, the room suggested... Mint. Okay, is mint not a good idea? <laughs> no, mint is... Actually, that is... If you're gro- growing mint, never grow mint in a flower bed unless you have acres of space. Everybody keeps saying that to me. It's a voracious... I, and everyone's like, oh my God, you can't stop a mint. Once it's, once it's minting, you're off or whatever. 
Once you pop, you what can't. What is minting? You're off. Yes, that's what everyone says to me at parties. I can't, I can't move for people talking about their mint. And then, and then I can't seem to keep the damn mint alive. My rosemary, if you're interested, thriving. Uh, hardy boy. There you go. But, but mint, and that's why I keep just adding more mint <laughs> into the pot. He is, he is contained. He's in one mint pot on account of this Great. issue. Everyone's saying, oh, the mint will take over. And now he's just... I've also had mints die, though. Like, they don't like winter much, but if you're patient and you cut back all the dead bits, then they will return. Um, I would generally say, while the process of decay and worms <laughs> and soil is a very beautiful, genuinely a very beautiful part of gardening, which we don't have time to go into today, but yes, that's the, that's the next stage. Um, your new plant will not benefit from the nutrients of your old plant because... Um, it has to go through quite a big decay process to make compost. Like making compost takes quite a, you know, six to 12 months um, and right. needs other things in it. So mm. I would, if you've got a dead plant and it's just a little bit of hard, tough root ball surrounded by compost, I'd just whip that out. Probably put in some new compost if, if you have some. Not the end of the world if you don't. And then put your new plant on top. Give him a chance. Yeah. Give that's, us some space. That's a huge blow, frankly. It is. We, look, it, it'll be <laughs> nice. You, you can spring clean your, your mint Yeah, house. at least now I know for sure. Because yeah. if I'm honest, I did know that in my heart. You're just hoping. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say, you know what's fantastic? <laughs> just popping a dead plant on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know what? I was just lazy and the I was more just... death, the merrier. That's, that's what you were going for. That's what I was secretly hoping for. But now I've had the absolute definitive answer on that. I need to give my mint the best chance. And the, if you are planting mint over mint after mint, though, Tessa, I would look because and look at the roots because <laughs> there'd probably be some tiny little baby, like zombie mint hands emerging from the root. Which I don't want any part alive. of that. I oh, know. Thank you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, start, that is a psychological issue. Matt, she won't start be fresh. I won't. That's none of my business. <laughs> but, you, I'm not. But, but you did try to. She she did try to. You, you did a lot of um, attempted propagation, didn't you? Well, that's a lovely word. Right. Uh, but didn't you, you, you made a leak out of a leak I and, did then, make and a leak a bird leak. stole it or that it fell tr- out of a window or something I did it twice <laughs> did the leak yeah um so it chops the end of a leak used in a soup, put the end in a glass which TikTok had said to do and I was yeah. like as if and then two days later a new leak one yeah. two days later a new leak I think is an exaggeration Alice, is it please two days later a new leak not a whole no, new leak but the, that- but the beginnings of life had begun again yeah. Whether you'd want to eat it is another matter. But yeah, but, yeah, it's but essentially you... the bottom of a leek, like the bottom of a spring onion is a root. Therefore, if you put it in water, it will make new root and it'll grow at the top. Ah, okay. So that you can, thank you. One was a leek and then I tried it with a spring onion. And remember I got ever so stressed because I had that sexy spring onion. Yes. So I put the spring onion out on the garden. <laughs> it grew so successfully and well. It was honestly two foot tall and it was chonky. Chonky, like you've, wow. it was a muscular and I'm going to say it, sexy leek. <laughs> no, wait, sorry, spring onion. And it flowered on its top. That's... I didn't know... I was so scared of it, I didn't know what, <laughs> what you just, to do. Did you just throw it away? No, I didn't touch it. <laughs> yeah, right. Is it still there? Uh, no, it died, and it's oh, become it the mint, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, of course. Because that's so... I, 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 I tried it with um, an onion, and then I just had a rotten, wet onion. In it's a, really In, in like a do. mug. So that's really sad. But that that's really cool. So um, I was going to ask about um, uh, top top propagation veg to try but that's mm. without going into too much mm. because i know it's a big it's a big it's a hot topic yeah it, it's a hot topic and also the the broader issue with veg is that uh if you've kind of you've grown it and then you're regrowing it just it's a bit like people are like oh i've saved my tomato seed and then i've grown some more tomatoes 
there's a very big complicated thing about seed heritage and whether seeds can be used again. It, it comes into a camp of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like Understood. Fun thing to do and be like, oh my God, it grew. Do you want to eat it? I'm not sure. Oh, why not? Um, some plants are grown with an understanding that they're, if they're grown organically, there is a way that you can just keep those seeds going through. But our agriculture and our farming is such that often things are treated with quite a lot of chemicals and processes, which means that they're, they're not fertile to take forward into the next stage um, due How to all in- the kind of weird GM stuff that goes on. So it's, I wouldn't be able to give you like a big scientific answer. It's just something to be like, fun to maybe look at, might not be one to necessarily eat. And if you are interested in that, do look into kind of fertile seed heritage, growing on veg kind of thing. If you're growing mm-hmm. veg, just be make sure that you, you, you know what seeds you're getting. If you are interested in growing your own vegetables, would you recommend then getting this, starting with the seeds and getting them and, and not attempting from old food? Bingo. Basically, get it from plugs, get it from seeds. There are some amazing seed companies out there that are organic and that are heritage seeds, which means you can just keep on going forever. But your average pack of tomatoes from Tesco, no idea where those seeds came from. So you might not mm. want to save them and start again. Franken tomato. Mm. You end up like it's like a dinosaur's egg, suddenly. Mm. Uh, listen, there's so many things I've had to pull myself back from the edge here. I'm going yeah. into this a new woman. You've got to get How to Grow Stuff by Alice Vincent. Yeah. A great and- starter book. And also Why Women Grow for just the psychological element and deeper elements of gardening. Why Women Grow, colon, stories of soil, sisterhood and survival. Yeah. Oh, yes, please. It's very good. Yes, um, please. Thank you so much, Alice. That is really helpful. It just sort of calms one down when you kind of like hear someone say, be like, it's okay, I tried this. And then ah, some people do that, but I don't. You're like, oh yeah, it's such a personal thing. It's not a scary thing. It doesn't mean you're like... If you can't be a mother. <laughs> that is the feeling, isn't it? <laughs> a bit, isn't it? So only a bit. Um, and also very deeply. Um Follow Alice um, on Twitter. Is it so Alice underscore Emily and then at Nauticulture on Instagram? Best of luck with both. Book and the baby. Yeah, the, the book is out on March 2nd. The baby, who knows? Hopefully, sometime after that. That's what I'm hoping. Wow. Yeah. Well, look, be nice I to hope it comes out during your book launch, I hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it starts to happen. That would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And um, yes, thank you for listening and we will see you next week for more Nobody Panic. I'm absolutely jonesing to get home and sort out that mint. (laughs) Thank you so much, Alice. You're absolutely lovely. And see everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. 
From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains.